What is up, everyone? This is Ant. And this is the Infamous CDP. <laughs> Infamous. My man is here. And we are a part of the Uncensored Pro Wrestling Podcast. And you are checking out the Attitude Years episode. I think this is episode eight. We're on WWF Raw is War, January 19th, 1998, live in Fresno. California, the night after Royal Rumble, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Go ahead. The show starts off with a tribute to Juanita McMahon, who I believe is Vince McMahon's sister. Oh, I thought that was his mom. No, 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 no. I think it's my mother that died, like, not recently, I believe. Are you sure? I'm, I, I'm pretty sure. I recall that was little... some old, that, that, if that's his sister, she was old looking. I mean, but to be fair, this man was like in his 40s and 50s by in 1999. So let me look up Juanita McMahon. <laughs> no, that was because she was born. <laughs> Infamous. She was born in 1916. If she was alive now, she would have been freaking at least. At like- least. A hundred, right? A uh, hundred plus, I believe. No because way. That, it says like, that she was married to Vince McMahon Jr. So this is the, the I mean, Vince McMahon senior. Vincent J. McMahon is her husband. So, yeah. So that was. Oh, that was a mother. Okay. Well, I'm mistake. So, <laughs> his sister. I mean, that's nice. She's probably smiling somewhere. I mean, no, the thing is, I looked at the McMahon family tree and on Wikipedia, I guess, like, on um, the phone, it got a setup kind of weird, but, like, whatever. Juanita. That's a name. I love it. Well, <laughs> rest in peace, Juanita McMahon. It's been almost, well, it's been over 30 years at this, well, close to 30 years at this point. Um, so, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> no, I feel bad. She didn't get to see friggin' Kane set the Undertaker on fire. She didn't get to see Stone Cold Steve Austin win the Royal Rumble match. Terrible. Terrible. Years of wrestling history to see Miss Dahl. Sorry, Juanita. Rest in peace. Uh, So the show opens with Paul Bearer. He comes down to the ring and he laughs and says, I gotcha, didn't I? He claims that he should have gotten a Golden Globe for his uh, acting ability. The first, it's the first time in seven years you saw a smile from The Undertaker after the two brothers saluted each other. Last night was beautiful. Just when he thought Kane was going to help Big Brother, no. He choke slammed him down in his own casket. Paul Mary says, I had three locks. Kane started chomping with an axe. A girl was crying during this. Kane poured gas all over The Undertaker's casket. Finally, all it took was one match, and there was a towering inferno. It felt so good. The big plan has now come to pass. Undertaker is gone and never to return. The Undertaker music come on, comes on. A casket is brought down, and Kane climbs out of the ring. He presents the last surviving member of the Undertaker's family, Kane. So, pretty much, this has just been a sort of, like, mockery of The Undertaker. Paul Bear is saying, I played you all, you know. It's hard for me because I 
sort of watched this in reverse. I always knew the Undertaker and Kane storyline. So for me watching this, I wasn't, you know, like I feel like if I was a fan old enough back then to watch, I would have probably been surprised. I probably would have thought Paul Bear, you know, seeing Kane and Undertaker work together. But um I wasn't surprised. What did you think of Paul Bearer's boasting about, you know, Undertaker and his brother and uh Undertaker never to be seen again? Well, um, two things. Uh one, of course, RP to Paul uh, Moody. Um Second thing, I don't know about you, but well, let me ask you this: Which one is better to you, black hair Paul Bear or blonde Paul Bear? Black hair Paul Bear used used to scare me, <laughs> because I was mortified. Like, there's that one Royal Rumble, nineteen ninety four. My brother gave me total PTSD. I told the story before. I'll tell it now, really quick. I used to be a big fan of Doink the Clown, and my brother used to have the Royal Rumble in 1994. We were just talking about this at the Royal Rumble. Check out our archives if you haven't watched it yet, the Royal Rumble 1998 recap. The only time our two guys lost a casket match was at that Royal Rumble. Uh, and my brother used to say, oh, you want to watch Doink the Clown? I was literally, and I'd be like, yeah. And so he literally put me in a blanket, and I'd lay there. I'm like, all right. And then he's like, okay, it's, it's time to watch. And he pulled the blanket off. And it'd be at that moment where the Undertaker turns his head while he's in the casket and he looks in the screen. And that used to traumatize me. And I remember seeing like the promos, like the vignettes where like they're building the casket and over, oh, my Undertaker. Like, like that <laughs> used to terrify me as a kid. But, um, the blonde Paul Bearer has a lot more range. There's a lot more, um, he has a bit more character because you're hearing more from him. You're hearing more about his backstory. You know, you're learning that he, well, you'll learn that a little bit down the line more about under, about Paul Bearer, you know, daddy situation. But, uh, well, well, to be fair, I guess one could say because, you know, there were transitioning, it was right in the middle of the attitude area. It, uh, era, excuse me, that um everybody just needed to get like a bit of a adjustment to their attitude and character. So I guess that's one argument one could say about that. Yeah, but like as a kid, I like I I think for anyone it's always gonna be the classic Paul Bearer that everyone loves, and you know I still do too. But I think um this is really good storytelling, you know. So moving I, on, I, yeah, moving on. DS has DS has a promo saying with um Jim Ross, I believe, says that DS is gonna try to find Taker tonight. Yeah. With, um at well, like nothing much going on around here. Ain't you getting anything? Yeah, no, they're just you know mocking Undertaker, which is never really one, a good idea. One tiny thing, I gotta ask how I, I wonder how Shawn Michaels was feeling when he did that promo. I had to come back to work the next day. I mean, I can only imagine how he was feeling. You know? Oh, yeah, that's right, because he got injured. Yep. Damn. Well, he fought in Royal Rumble 1997 with the fucking flu, so he, uh, you know, he would, you know, fight sick. <laughs> but, I mean, sick, I mean, I'm, I'm sick is kind of different than broken, uh, than a broken back, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know, you're right, you're right. <laughs> I said work sick. Well, at least he wasn't doing any, you know, you know, physical maneuvers thankfully until wrestlemania 14 
right? As a matter of fact, like it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting right. watching all of these Raws and um shows coming up um coming up to see like how the, how Shawn Michaels was um what activity Shawn Michaels was doing. Oh, you get ready. There isn't they're on some stuff. <laughs> so we have the nation of domination taking on the disciples of apocalypse. And the match starts with Skull nailing a big boot to D'Lo Brown, comma with martial arts kicks to chains. The nation take control. D'Lo misses a moonsault. All of the men fight in the ring. The referee rules a no contest. Both teams fight after the match. And then The Rock and Mark Henry attack DOA. But then Ken Shamrock and Ahmed Johnson run down and even the odds to help DOA clear the ring of the nation of domination. I did not realize that Ahmed Johnson was still in WWE at this point. I thought he was done by 1997. So to see him um, is interesting. What do you think? I mean, he he really wasn't used at, right? I mean, when was the last time we saw Ahmed Johnson? Probably. Royal Rumble. Let's roll around with the previous night, and then like I don't think I saw him like weeks beforehand though. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, did he make a re- I, did, I did he make a return at the Rumble? Because I feel like he hadn't been on since like the summer of '97. So seeing him, you know, back again, it's like oh. But what do you think of this sort of like formation of Ken Shamrock, um, and Ahmed Johnson helping out D- DOA? It's like Disciples of Apocalypse. Just like this whole game war storyline, I am just fucking tired. But good, but oh. thank let's, let's thank God they're about to split this thing up. Well, wait, hold up. This goes on for the rest of 1998, don't it? Well, I won't tell you no spoilers here, sir. Just oh, keep on watching. And listen, and listen, anyway, um, there's one tiny thing. Kelly has said Ahmed has never looked better. Fucking cow. Like you, like we all saw that beer gut that he was hanging out there and just like, no, sir, no, sir. Like Kevin Kelly, I love you. You do Essendon work at NJPW, but no, sir. I I keep writing whenever like I write his name, I accidentally write Kelly Kelly instead of Kevin Kelly. And I'm like, <laughs> shit. Uh, a hearse uh, arrives backstage. Who is in there? We don't know. Um, we then get a raw magazine promo with Vic Venom, who AKA says, AKA Vince Russo. Yep, he goes, You want raw? I'll get downright nasty. Um, point oh, is, Vince Russo. Oh, if we only knew, yeah, oh, if we only knew. <laughs> this is gonna be fun for me now. Now that I realize, now that I'm like, it's clicking to me that like you don't know, like you know, like with the like the storylines for the pay per views, but like you don't really know like week to week what goes on. This is fun for me because I'm gonna get your predictions and stuff now. Now that I know that, I can do that. All right. Next oh. we have Tom Brandy taking on Marvelous Mark Mero with Sable. This is almost like a grudge match. The match, before the match, Mero makes Sable put on a jacket. Mero lands a DDT, and then a man gives Sable flowers. Mero yells at Sable and then steps on the flowers that were given to her. Brandy lands a sit-out suplex and gets, gets a two-count. Sable then gets on the apron, and Mero nails a low blow and a TKO, and then Mero gets the pinfall. After the match, Mero attacks Brandy with flowers. I don't understand why Sable keeps on, like, or any manager. It's like, let me be smart and try to tell, tell the referee during the match that person cheated. It's never going to work, and it distracts your 
um, the person you're ma- managing or the person you're trying to root for. But my question for you is, who do you think is giving Sable these flowers? Who is her secret admirer? Do you know? I have no idea, but I got three letters for this mask. F, well, as a, I got three words for this mask. For fuck's sake, this mask again? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like they did like the whole like pay-per-view ending promo, like, um, what is it, like the week before the Rumble, and then they're going to put them back out there in the ring. And then, so yeah, I got nothing for this mask. Just don't care. <laughs> Yeah, really not. Now, let's see. Let's, now, this mask mask was to be a surprise to me, or as Tony, or as Tony Timmel like to say, this tag team distraction. It's the Quebecers taking on Cats Jacket Chainsaw Charlie. Yes. Well, before we get there, there were a couple of things that happened. There were a couple of moments. We definitely will get there. But before that happened, um, DX are backstage and they're looking in the hearse and they see a bunch of girls. Um, inside of the hearse, and so they all, you know, jump on DX. We all thought it was going to be the Undertaker or somebody like that. It was not. Then um, we do get the Bushido Blade PlayStation Slam of the Week, and it's from the Royal Rumble of Vader, you know, nailing the Vader bomb on the artist, formerly known as Goldust, with Luna on his shoulders. I never played Bushido Blade. And then before our match, <laughs> Mike Tyson's limo shows up, and Infamous, you said, our match Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie against the Quebecers. I was, I don't know if this is the first time we're seeing the Quebecers again since like 1994. Maybe. Well, well, wait, wait, like, didn't like, no, like, no, not only didn't make an appearance in the Rumble the previous night, but um, yeah, I was saying that, wow, the Quebecers, they went, like, they went back on this one on a raw. <laughs> yep. And they have completely different attires and everything, but. The match starts with Cactus Jack sending Pierre into the steps. Oh, by the way, the guy with the um, Pierre, the one with the I'm the eye patch, he really doesn't have an eye. He's blind in one eye. Oh yeah, and and he also still wrestling as PTO or I guess um in Impact nowadays. That's him. Yes. Really? Yes, yes. the former Ring on the World Champion. That is uh, John LaPierre. He was part of the Quebecers. And the other guy is the Mountie. That's the, that's cool. He, wow, that's a fun fact. He um, was the guy, the storyline, he fought Bret Hart and he stole Bret Hart's jacket. That, and he fought Bret Hart in your house. Oh, yeah, Very yeah, cool. I remember that. I Very definitely cool. remember that. Well, the match starts. Uh, Cactus Jack sends Pierre into the steps and Joe nails. Well, who's that? Oh, sorry, Jack. <laughs> Joe. Jack nails a pad driver on. Okay, sorry. When I say Jack, I mean, um, or is it Jock? I'll say Jock. Jock nails a pad driver on Chainsaw and Charlie. They're French, and I'm not. Cactus Jack applies a manable claw on the referee. Uh, then the Quebecers drop Chainsaw Charlie over the top rope, and the Quebecers get the disqualification win because. Cactus Jack apply the main book claw on the referee. After the match, Cactus Jack double closed lines to Quebecers to the outside. Chainsaw Charlie nails a plancha to all the men. And then Jack backdrops Pierre onto Cactus Jack outside. And then Cactus Jack has a barbed wire bat and Quebecers run off. So these two teams were going at it after the match. It seems as if these two um, have some history or maybe a match coming up soon. What'd you think of this one? 
it was a nasty backdrop that I believe like um I believe like um John Luke did on um, uh, Captain Jack to his leg. I kind of hope, but I didn't know Mick Foley also got hurt off of that though. But it looked kind of bad. Um, to me, this is just like a swerve, just a swerve, bro. Because like Captain uh, Jack and Chainsaw Charlie are like engaged in the feud with the Outlaws, or started to get engaged in the feud with the Outlaws, and then um, and then uh, you're gonna have them lose like this qualification from Mick Foley doing his finishing move. Yeah, it was a I mean, weird match. These didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, speaking about making sense, the NWA North American Championship, the NWA North American Champion, Double J, Jeff Jarrett with James E. Cornette and the Rock and Roll Express defending against Bradshaw with Barry Windham. Um, I didn't really, I'm going to be honest with you, this match I sort of like stepped away for a moment, but Jarrett got the win after Barry and Bradshaw accidentally bumped into one another. Um, and then... Jarrett got the roll-up. After the match, Barry Windham attacked Bradshaw and joined forces with NWA. So now Barry Windham is a part of that faction alongside James E. Cornette, Jeff Jarrett, and the Rock and Roll Express. So what do you I guess think Barry, of the NWA? So I guess Barry Windham had just um, decided to, um, you can't beat him and join him because he did win. He did face Jarrett for that um, North American title. So then... He comes out with black. He comes out with Bradshaw, and then he turns and joins the NWA again. A swerve, just a swerve, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's swerve, it's swerve, it's swerve, 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 swerve. But I'm not swerve Strickland. Um, we then get our next backstage segment. DX is looking for the Undertaker, and the lights start to flicker backstage, and they look on nervously. Um, we then go back to the ring, and. Uh, the Undertaker's music comes on. At this point, are we in the war zone yet? I think I so. we are. Yeah, we are. Um, Undertaker's music comes on, and you know, someone walks down looking like him, but it is not the Undertaker, it is Shawn Michaels. And DX then come out and they bring out a grill, and they have marshmallows and hot dogs. Triple H says, Shawn Michaels and I have huge weenies. And uh, he asks China what she's bringing to the table. China pulls out a big salami. <laughs> HBK says Undertaker is done thanks to DX and Shawn Michaels. And I like this. Uh, Triple H wants to talk to Mr. Hankey of the WWE, Owen Hart. Next week, Owen, I'm giving you a shot at my European title, man to boy. Triple H says, I have one leg, but it won't matter. I can beat you anytime I want. For all your is that Canadian gins, there's for all your okay, for, oh, okay. For all your all you California girls, there's no need to ride Space Mountain. I gotta rock it if you wanna ride. Sorry. I wrote CA and I thought that meant Canada for a minute, but it was California because they're in Fresno, obviously. Right. Um, HBK says, I gave Undertaker one more chance of being WWF champion. I beat him by myself. And then HBK says, ask who's next in line. And then he says, Stone Cold Steve Austin, a former tag team champ. Been there, done that. I see he was tag team champions with Stone Cold. He was. Yes, sir. Former Intercontinental champion. Been there, done that. 
He goes, there is one more mountain for Steve to climb. Shawn Michaels is at the top of that mountain because Shawn Michaels says so. Ask around the WWF locker room. Call every wrestler HBK has sent down south. HBK lays down for absolutely nobody. Unless I take a catch you in gorilla position, tape up his hands. But that's, oh, that's right. <laughs> I was just about to say that. And I like how they were. I wonder if, if like fans were like privy of that knowledge back then. They probably didn't know about The Undertaker, but I wonder if they knew like um, Shawn Michaels didn't want to lay down for certain wrestlers. Because I mean, he's, he's pretty much speaking from the heart. You know, he said that I'm not going to lay down for him. And it's true. He didn't want to let go for a heart straight out. He's like, I wouldn't do the same for you. So it's interesting that they would even hear that. Very cool. What do you think about this? I got to say, old school DS is just fucking great. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, it's better than the new generation, the PG DS. But, you know, the whole like interest, everything else, just you just can't beat it. Um, a lot of sets were in your window, but, you know, it's you know, it 1998 DS. What do you expect? Yeah. Uh-uh. Let's see. I, you know, I don't have like too much more um, about this um, promo. Yeah, really not much, but uh, it was just a way to kind of bring up DX. And I like the little mention of Stone Cold. We then get a little promo. Western Union presents No Way Out of Texas. It's going to be live in February. Great. Good review coming up. We then see Mike Tyson backstage talking to Sonny and the Legion of Doom. I'm not testing that one. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> we then have a next uh, special match uh, Owen Hart the WWE light heavyweight champion Taka Michinoku and the Headbangers taking on Los Boricuas this is another match I really didn't pay much attention to I'm not going to lie um, Savio Vea nails a spinning heel kick in the corner but Owen gets the win after he applies a sharpshooter on Jose and Jose taps out after the match Owen accepts Triple H's challenge for next week on Raw's War for the European title. What do you think? Um, again, just again, nothing. Um, nothing much, like, like I said, um, I guess, like, yeah, you said that like, Triple H was kind of answered, but you still have him like doing spots or having him like hit the Undertaker or take like certain bumps or whatever. So, I don't know what was that, what that was going on. I don't know, there was like refusal from Owen to do certain stories, to do certain things. Um, that's kind of weird to kind of place that Owen Hart um, around, um, you know, around in a mess like this. But then again, he was probably like a good perk. Then again, he was, but then again, like he was um, probably was like being a good sport about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. 100%. I love seeing Owen Hart every time. Um, Mike Tyson is then seen talking to the Nation of Domination backstage. Speaking of the nation, the WWE Intercontinental Champion, The Rock, is taking on Ahmed Johnson. The Rock nails a people's elbow and gets a two count. Uh, Johnson power slams The Rock and he sends Rock into the steps. Mark Henry then comes down and then Henry nails Ahmed Johnson with a chair to the back. And The Rock nails a rock bottom on Ahmed to get the win. After the match, Ken Shamrock runs down and runs The Rock and Mark Henry out of the ring. So, damn, the nation's not playing with Ahmed Johnson. He interfered earlier. Mark Henry's like, yo, I'm coming back. What do you think of, of this? Again, I know you say you're tired of this whole gang warfare type thing, but uh, 
seems like Ken Shamrock and uh, Ahmed Johnson are, are joining forces here against the nation. Until I believe Ahmed Johnson is going to leave later this year, though. So, and then Ken got to go his separate way. So, we're going to see what, what little bit of storyline development that's going to come up around here. Uh, may I lead us to our next match? Because I believe it's the main event. Well, before before you do that, there was a quick moment, really quick. We do see Mike Tyson one more time backstage, and he's talking to DX and China. Now, go ahead. All right. I All right. For your main event, it is for the WWF Tag Team Championship, the New Age Outlaws defending the titles against the Godwins. Road Dog comes out in lower overalls, saying that we are no strangers to sudden justice. The Godwins don't like that, and take it away. <laughs> um. Yeah, so... <laughs> they have a fake pig too, uh, stuff. The friggin' um. Oh, totally forgot about that. Something. That's on me. <laughs> oh no, you're fine. No, no, it was funny. Uh, this is another match again that was kind of like it was good to see, but not not a lot happening. And I do love uh my man Henry Godwin, so support to him. But Billy nails Phineas with the loaded pig to retain the title. Not really much happening here because these teams weren't really, you know. There wasn't really a rivalry between the Jesus. It was a sort of quick match. And I also noticed, too, I wish they did this more. They defended the titles a lot more on Raw, which is interesting that they don't do it now. Um, uh, make you think. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, really nothing really to talk about there. Um, our last segment of the night is a big one that a lot of people remember and talk about. Uh, Vince McMahon comes down to the ring. Vince was like, I would like to welcome the baddest man on the planet, Iron Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson comes out with his entourage. Mike talks about how he loved Bruno San Martino. And Mike Tyson says, you know, I have a big announcement. But before he could say anything, Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out. And Stone Cold gets in Tyson's face. And Mike goes to offer his hand to shake with Austin. And Austin goes, I'm not going to shake your hand. Son, when you step in this ring, you're messing with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I want a piece of your ass. He goes, I respect what you've done. You get your eyes locked with the world's toughest SOB. And then Stone Cold Steve Austin gives Mike Tyson the middle finger. Tyson pushes Austin. And then the two go at it. But a bunch of security separates the two. Being a kid, I didn't really understand how important Mike Tyson being in WWE was because I didn't understand, you know, how big of a celebrity was at the time. So seeing this was probably huge. You know, nowadays we see like three matches on WrestleMania with celebrities. So for us, we're kind of like, oh, yeah, celebrities going to get involved. But for this, this is probably one of the first times that a celebrity um, got into a serious altercation with a wrestler. So what do you think about this? I say, I say, like, despite a lackluster raw, otherwise, the, you know, the ending was great. This is like a legendary moment. Everybody remembers. JR called it right on the money. This is going to make headlines all around the world. And the next day, it did. Like, yeah. bringing more hype, bringing more hype to WrestleMania. So, um, this is like one of the rare times. Well, I, well, I can't say rare, but this is like one of the times where you can say Vesper Man is a genius for doing this. Yeah, this was um, this is a really good um build, very good um storylines, and uh, WrestleMania is heating up. We know that Stone Cold Steve Austin will take on Shawn Michaels. We don't I, know. Go ahead. 
Um, I was about to say, like, should we talk about the last closing segment of Raw? Oh, yeah, go ahead. So, um, they go to commercial break, and then in the background, Vince Man is with Tyson's entourage. Tyson is furious about Stone Cold Steve Austin, and then he drops, and then he drops the F word, and it's not the and it's not the four letter one. But then, like, um, you know, Tyson has um, Tyson has since like renounced his like um homophobic views since though. But yeah, like um, uh, late nineties, Mike Tyson, he that was an animal. Yeah. I didn't realize that, that even happened. I kind of surprised Peacock left it in, honestly. Well, I mean, they'll keep that in, but get rid of like other shows. I don't understand why Peacock still doesn't have um any of the like heat from like 2000. There's like only a couple from 1999 at this point. Like, where are all the Sunday Night Heats going? Where are they at? Yeah, no, they really need to like to try to work on that network a little bit better. Yeah, but and, and right. ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. I have been FMCDP. This is the Italian guy, Ant. That's right, sir. We are signing off. We will be back next week with Raw is War from January 26, 1998 in Davis, California. So much going to happen there. We're on the road to WrestleMania, the road to In Your House, No Way Out of Texas. We will see you then. Bye. Peace.